here oh, several years ago to preach on Abraham's testing. Today we're going to look at it in a different manner. We're going to take a whole new uh, a look at these scriptures from a different angle. In Genesis chapter number 22, when you find your place, would you stand with me all over the house? The Lord's here. We want to worship him. Genesis chapter 22, let's begin reading in verse number 1. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham... I want you to pay close attention to the reading. I'm not going to read these verses again. God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee to the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood, or he split the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again unto you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, and laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they both went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. They came to the place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took up the knife to slay his son. The angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, here am I. Third time he said that in these verses. And he said, lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the place, the name of that place, Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. I want to preach you a message this morning entitled, The Lord Will Provide. Somebody say amen. amen. The Lord Will Provide. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for the day. Thank you for your blessings. I ask you to just use us now for your glory. Lift up the Lord Jesus. Bless our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You can be seated. Part of our knowledge of God is understanding the operation of God. Let me say that again. Part of our knowledge of God is understanding the operation of God. As we read our Bibles, we understand who God is. As we see how God operates in the lives of other people, so we understand how God operates in our own lives. What forms the way God thinks? What forms the, what's in his heart? How does God operate? What's in his heart? What's in his mind? We understand those things from the Bible. The word of God is the heart of God, and the heart of God is the word of God. 
If you want to understand God, if you want to understand how he operates, who he is, how he thinks, how he formulates decisions, this listen, this book is God's critical thinking skills. And when you and I know who God is through the word, then we know how he operates in our lives. First of all, God, the Bible says in verse number one that God tempted Abraham. We need to understand that God did not tempt him to sin. God does not tempt people with sin. Every man, the Bible says, is tempted when he's led away of his own lusts. This is not God tempting Abraham to sin. The Bible says, let every man say when he is tempted I am tempted with let no man say when he is tempted I am tempted of God for God cannot be tempted with evil neither tempts he any man so the word tempt here if you want to write in your Bible the word tempt here means to try to test or to prove it does not mean to tempt with sin it means to try to test or to prove. God does. Mark it down. God does test people. God does try his people. God does prove us to see what is in our hearts. You can say one thing, but until it's proven in life, we don't know what's in your heart. Amen. Amen. Why does God why does God examine? Why does God evaluate what's in our heart? So he knows. He said, Abraham, now I know. At the end of the verses, after he had tried proving Abraham, he said, now I know what's in your heart. If I go back about 20 years, I was once at the, at the plant, I was a, a, ex, a uh, certified welder. Before I could become a certified welder, I had to weld, I had to be trained, I had to pass x-ray tests, I had to be examined, I had to be evaluated. Why is that? Because not only would I be welding in a vessel that was, had 2,000 pounds of pressure that could kill someone else, I would also be welding pieces of metal to scaffolds hundreds of feet high that I myself would be standing on. Let me tell you something. When you're standing on a piece of metal that you welded, you want to know that you've been trained and that you've been evaluated. Amen? My life and the life of my coworkers depended, listen to me carefully, it depended upon my skill, my knowledge, and my ability to weld that piece of metal to that steel and stand on it 200 feet above the ground and not worry about it. Y'all with me? And so you know what God does? God trains us, God tests us to see if we're ready because listen, your skill level as a Christian, your life depends on your skill level as a Christian. Right, Say, preacher, it doesn't. It does. Your life depends on your skill level. As a, your family's life depends on your skill level as a Christian. And God's going to try you and test you and give you more experience and let you gain. And he's going to evaluate and prove you before he'll trust you. You think God didn't prove me before he trusted me with this church? You better believe he did. God will evaluate us. So we need to be skillful. That's what wisdom is. When the Bible says to seek for wisdom, wisdom is the ability to live life skillfully. As I look at our nation, I see a lot of young people in our younger generation do not have the ability to live life skillfully. 
They're messing up their homes. They're messing up their lives. Drug abounds. Pornography abounds. Sin abounds. God wants us to be proven, tested, proven, experienced, uh, and skillful at living life. Our lives and the life of our family and our church depends on our skill level. Abraham was tested in different ways. Number one, God tested his faith. God, listen to me, I understand by the operation of God, if he tested his most favorite son, Abraham, he'll test you. He'll test your faith to see, I'm not talking about test your body, I'm not talking about test your soul, I'm talking about test your faith. Do you believe the book? Do you believe God's word? You can say you have faith, but until the trial comes, it's just lip service. I was also, I also trained, and when I got a job as a manager, I trained uh, other people to operate a fork truck. And there was a the material that I gave him. There were videos they had to watch, and then I took them to the warehouse for a final examination to see if they could really operate a fork truck. And I had a guy come along. He was a new employee. He said, oh, I don't need that. He said, I worked in a warehouse for 15 years. That's all I've done is run a fork truck. And I thought, well, maybe this guy doesn't need tested. Maybe he's, you know, he shot me a pretty good line. But I put him through the training. I put him through the videos. I put him through the instructions. I tested him. Everything was fine until I put him on a fork truck, and he liked to tore my warehouse down. <laughs> what are you saying, preacher? What was in his mouth and his skill level was two different things. Sometimes we, as Christians, what's in our mouth and our skill level to live it out are two different things, and God wants to prove it in us. Amen. Amen. Boy, I'm plowing this morning, aren't I, somehow? Here we go. So God tested his faith. God tested his obedience. God would Abraham. Listen, this was, this was one of the hardest things that I've, I've read in my Bible that somebody could have been asked to do other than the Lord Jesus Christ. To offer his only son? I mean, that's pretty tough. I mean, I'd rather take a knife and cut my own throat as put a bruise on my son. And God was, God was testing him and, and, and asking something. He tested his priorities. Where are your priorities? If God tested your priorities, would your priority be in education? Or would it be in money? Would it be in success? Would your priority be in entertainment? Would your priority be in recreation? Or is your priority the Lord Jesus Christ, the church, the word of God, making sure that your children are trained? I mean, you've got your priorities in order. Hey, let me tell you something, church. We all ought to have our priorities first. We all ought to have Jesus first. We all ought to have the word of God first. Jesus said, seek you first, first, first the kingdom of heaven. If I'm a father, I should be a Christian father. If I'm an employee, I should be a Christian employee. If I'm a member of this community, I should be a Christian member of this community because I seek God first. Amen. If I'm a husband, I should be a Christian husband. God should be first. The husband will come later. Amen. Yes, sir. That's good stuff. Here we go. So Abraham said, he, he was tested, and Abraham said, here am I. I'm here, Lord. You know, Isaiah said the same thing. Isaiah said, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, Lord, here am I. If I understand that right, God said, who's going to go? And Abraham said, I'll go. God didn't call him. Abraham volunteered. Let that sink in. 
I wish we had more people in this church when they saw a need say, you know, preacher, I'll do that. Preacher, I'll do that. I'll pick up right there. Uh-huh. You need that. Our church needs that. Our community needs that. I believe this book. I'll, I'll, take, I'll take a lead there, preacher. Amen. Well, y'all going to run me off if I keep preaching like that. Amen. That's the truth. I say it with a smile. I love you, but you need that. Amen. Here we go. Samuel said this. When the Lord kept knocking on Samuel's heart, Samuel said, Lord, speak, for thy servant heareth. When Jesus went to the cross, he said this, It is written in the volume of the book, I come to do thy will, O God. You say, preacher, I can't do this and I can't do that. I don't want, you, I don't want to hear anybody. You can do all things through Christ. God does not want your ability. He wants your availability. And if you're available for service, I promise you God will train you for that service. Yes, he will test you, but he will also train you. So when you're standing on that scaffold over about 200 feet high, you will be confident in what you are doing. Is everybody with me? God will train you for leadership. He'll train you to be a deacon. He'll train you to be a Sunday school teacher. He'll train you to take the lead in a building committee. And he will give you, he will test you and give you the confidence to do that. Amen. And when I was a little boy, I went to Sunday school and I read about another little boy who was called to preach. And he went home and he climbed up in a tree and he used to climb up in the tree and he'd preach to the grass and pretend the grass was all the people. I thought I'd try that. I was just five or six. I went home, climbed up in a mimosa tree outside the back door, and, and that's my favorite tree, and I got up in there, and I preached about 30 seconds, and I ran out of material. <laughs> and I felt like the grass was just all staring at me. <laughs> I climbed down that tree, and I said, Lord, I really did this. I said, Lord, I'll never preach. Amen. Because that grass was looking at me like y'all are looking at me right now. <laughs> I said, Lord, I'll never do that. Hey. You know what God did? He put his call on me. He equipped me. He tested me. And here I am. And you know what? I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable. Let me tell you something. I'm right where I'm supposed to be this morning. I got a King James Bible, a, a freedom to worship, and God's put me right where he wants me to be. I had a divine appointment to be here the same as you. And I'm comfortable with it. Amen. Man, I don't know why God's leading me in so many different directions. Here we go. So verse 2, he had to offer his only son. This was the only son he had. It was the one he prayed for. It was the one he loved. But he had to get Isaac to Mount Moriah. You know where Mount Moriah is? Mount Moriah is the place where Solomon would build the temple. Mount Moriah is the place where Jesus Christ was crucified. Now let me just say this. The best place you can get your children is to the place where Jesus was crucified. The best place to get your children is to the temple and to the house of God. Amen. This church, I guarantee you, if you'll get them in church here and you'll get them under my preaching, you'll get them under our Sunday school, you'll get them in our, in our Bible school and all of our ministries, your children will not be taught an alternative lifestyle. Your children will be taught a godly primary lifestyle, not the world's alternative lifestyle. Amen. 
Get your children to the house of God. Get them to Mount Moriah. Get them to the temple of God and let them hear about Jesus Christ and forgiveness of sins and the grace of God. That's the best thing you can do for your house and your children. Amen. That's why this church is growing. That's why this church has to move forward. We're not, if we, listen, if we look back, if we get in our Baptist history and look at 1950, we're going to fail. They were struggling in 1950. They were struggling in 1965. We're moving on for the glory of God. Jesus is coming. We're living in the last days. Now is the time. Amen. Yes, sir. And I'm preaching like this because I don't want to influence the vote. That's why I voted. we voted earlier. <laughs> okay, so... God said to Abraham, take, this, take Isaac to this place, to offer him there. He's, he's saying this, Abraham, don't you miss this. Boy, I'm getting, on, I'm getting down where the Lord wants us to be. Abraham, you take the most valuable thing in your life and you offer it to me. What's the most valuable thing in your life? I mean, really. What is it? You say it's most of us would say it's my wife or my family. Then offer them to God. Amen. You think he's going to do the worst thing in the world with them? No, he'll do the best thing in the world with them. You say, but look what was about to happen to Isaac. I mean, God said, offer him as a human sacrifice. I mean, take him to Mount Moriah and burn him and put a knife in him. I mean, Lord have mercy. I don't want that for my kids. Well, it didn't happen to Isaac either. And you know what the devil will tell you? The devil will tell you, don't you get your kids that while well, they'll brainwash them. They'll, they'll teach them about Jesus. Hey, they need that or the world's going to send them to hell as a transgender somewhere. Amen. They need the teaching of the word of God. Offer him there. Listen, let me ask you something. What are you holding back from God? What am I holding back from God? I mean, let's just be honest. What's valuable in your life, and what would you hold back from? Listen, I don't want to hold anything back. I don't. Man, I love it here. I, I love it here. I love the people. I love the area. I love White Top Mountain and Mount Rogers. I love this church. But listen, i got to be offered to God. i got to go where he sends me. i got to do what he tells me. I want my family, as I look at my children, I don't want to put, bring them and put them under my skirt tail and say, do this, do this, do this. I want to look at my children and say, if God wants you in China, then go to China. Amen, Amen preacher. So Abraham rose up early. The Bible says in verse 3 that he rose up early. He wasted no time. Listen, we ought, to, we ought to be ready and willing. When we rise in the morning, we ought to say, the first thing that hits my lips is, Lord, I want your will to be done today. I have plans today, and sometimes my day is so busy, I don't know how I'm going to get it all done. i got to do this, 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 this. But I start my day with the Lord. I make him my priority, and somehow he lets all the pieces fall into place. Be careful. Get up early. So, so he rose up early. This was not just idle talk. Lord, here I am. Send me. The next thing you know, Abraham's getting up early saying, boys, it's time to go. God's done spoke to me. I know where we're going to go. I know what we're going to do. Let's get up early. Let's go. Let's put on our shoes. Let's get it. Amen. Y'all don't like this message, do you? I'm having a good time. Let's get it. Just do it. I don't even like that phrase. But this was not just idle talk. You know, Jesus gave us the parable of a young man who said, Dad, I'll go work in the field, but he didn't go. 
Amen. Peter said, Lord, I'll go with you even unto death. Yeah, that was all lip service because Jesus looked at Peter and he said, huh, he said, before the cock crows three times, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. You know why we need to be tested? You know why Peter needed to be tested? Because his mouth was full, but his heart wasn't. He had lip service and not hip service. <laughs> yeah. So he went three days journey, verse number four. Three days journey. For three days, Abraham is heading toward the testing of his life. Are you listening? He was heading toward the war. He's dreading the destination. He knows the decision he has to make. He's under a stress, the most stressful trip that a person could undertake. Abraham for three days had to be suffering anxiety, knowing that at the end of that three-day trip, he's going to be standing on a lonely, barren mountain and offering his only begotten son. The most valuable thing in his life was going to be given to God in one of the most lonely, desolate, remote places that you can ever imagine. I don't want to take that trip, do you? What was the source of his stress? <laughs> Let's be honest. What was the source of his stress? God Almighty. God Almighty stressed him. You say, preacher, God's not supposed to stress us. He's supposed to comfort us. Well, tell Abraham that. For three days. But the devil wasn't part of his stress. The devil tempted Job and the devil tried Job and took his children and all that. But not God. God allowed it to happen. Huh. I mean, who else? Let's see, I'm trying to think. Uh, who else had the... Uh, Satan tried to tempt Peter. And Jesus looked at Peter and said, Satan wants to have you that he might sift you as wheat. <laughs> The devil wasn't in this story. I don't read anywhere the devil did this. God said, Abraham, here's what I want you to do. God was the source of Abraham's stress. Sometimes your Christian life is going to be stressful. If you do the will of God, sometimes your life is going to be stressful. Because the community's not doing the will of God. The country's not doing the will of God. They're off on their own. They're on a pontoon this morning. They're fishing somewhere. Amen. The source of your stress is going to be God because you want to live for him, you want to do for him, you want to please him, and that's going to sometimes bring anxiety into your life. That's part of God's testing. Are you all with me? Let me tell you something. I'll turn 62 here in a few months. And last Sunday, I preached that we ought to be crucified to self. I mean, you ought to be dead to George and George's desire. I preached that on Sunday. And on Monday, I said, Lisa, I can retire here in a few months. I can sit on my duff. I mean, I can draw a paycheck from the government and a little pension from the company. And me and you'll never have to strike another lick at a snake. And then I said, now, George... What did you preach yesterday? What did you preach yesterday, George? That I needed to be surrendered to Jesus Christ. I don't care what age I am. I don't care what my financial situation is. I don't care where I am in life. I need to be doing the will of God. Is it going to be a lot more stressful from the age of 62 until I finish out? You better believe it is. 
I don't need this stress. I don't need my phone lit up all the time. I don't need a schedule that goes like this and trying to meet this and that and that and, and, and neglecting my family to serve this church. That's a lot of stress. Are y'all with me? I don't need that. I can retire. Poof, gone. But I'm going to do the will of God. I'm determined to do the will of God. And besides, I'll probably work a half a day on my funeral anyway. A day of my funeral, I'll work a half a day. Hey, I'd rather die in this pulpit. Amen. I'd rather die in this pulpit as die out of the will of God. Amen. Boy, this is taking a long time. He went three days' journey. The trial of your faith, the Bible says, is more precious than gold, though it perisheth. Then he says this, he says to the boys in verse 5, he said, me and, me and Isaac's going to go up on that mountain, Moriah, and we're going to worship, but we're going to come again. That took faith. He said, we're going to come again. Now he knew that God had asked him to sacrifice his son, but he said, we're going to be coming back. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 that by faith, when Abraham, when he was tried, he offered up Isaac, and that he that received the promise offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Now wait just a minute, we got to understand something. It looked like, Jessica, that God was taking his promise back. Because God said, Abraham, I'm going to promise you a son. I'm going to make you a promise, Abraham, and you're going to have a son, and his name's going to be Isaac, and he's going to bring forth people. He's going to be the father of many nations. He's going to be a blessing. I'm going to give you Isaac. And all of a sudden, 30 years later, he says, Abraham, offer up Isaac. And, and I'm, saying, I'm sure Abraham's scratching his head going, wait a minute, you promised this boy to me, and now you want to take him? You know something? Sometimes you'll question the promises of God. But Abraham did not. Abraham said, me and the boys are going to go yonder, and we're going to come again. You say, what was in his heart? The Bible says in Hebrews 11, accounting that God was able to raise him even from the dead. Abraham had enough faith to say, I'm going to go up there, and I'm going to offer this boy as a sacrifice but God made a promise back yonder, and I'm going to trust that promise, and this act is not going to annul that promise. I'm going to believe God. We're going to walk back down off that mountain. Amen. Praise God. If you'll trust God and believe God that much, you will live life in victory. Abraham could have lived life in defeat and said, oh, I just can't believe it. Poor old pitiful me that I had Isaac. I got to offer him as my child, my only child. Oh, boo-hoo. No, you know what he said? In victory, he said, we're coming again. We're going to come again. Hey, I believe that God can raise him from the dead. Wow. No wonder Abraham was father of the faithful. Yes, sir. Verse 6. Now wait just a minute. I'm going to slow down here a bit. If God gives you something, is it wrong for him to ask it back? Loaded question. Who gave you your life? Are, are you here by coincidence? Because your mom and dad said, well, I think we'll have a baby. 
If you believe that, you need to get out of here because we believe in the providence of God. You have your life because God gave you your life. Is it wrong for God to ask for it back? Oh, my. That gets deeper. (laughs) If he gives you time and talent and money and family, is it wrong for God to ask you for it back? And by the way, God gives you $10. He just asks for one back. God gives you a whole family. Could you not dedicate one child, at least one child to the Lord? And say, Lord, no, our whole family ought to be dedicated. Amen. We ought to be. It's not wrong for God to ask things back. He owns them anyway. He gave them anyway. They're his anyway. I might as well just surrender and say, Lord, here am I. Amen. I watched, and I, I don't like to give illustrations like this, but I've watched, this has been on my heart so hard. I watched a young woman several years ago. She didn't have a family. She was raised in a broken home. I mean, this girl didn't have nothing. She started coming to church. She got her heart right with God. She began to pray for a family. And God gave her a family. God gave her a husband. And God gave her children. And God blessed her. She went from nothing, had nobody to care, to where she's surrounded with family. And then she dropped out of church. You say, where's she at now, preacher? It's not working out too good for her. It's not working out so good. Why? Because God gave her everything she had. It wasn't wrong for her to keep serving the Lord. Verse number 6. In this verse, we can see a beautiful picture of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. Abraham's got the fire in his hand. He's laid the wood on Isaac. The knife is in his hand. And they both went together. The fire in his hand represents the judgment of God. The judgment of God fell upon Jesus Christ. For he became sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The wood was laid upon Isaac. That is the picture of Jesus Christ. Christ carrying the cross of Calvary all the way. Listen, he didn't give up. He didn't go back. He carried it all the way to the death so that you and I might be saved. We see the knife in the hand of Abraham. That represents the wounding of Isaac. Let me tell you something about Christ. The Bible says he was wounded for our iniquities. He was bruised for us. Uh, He went to the cross carrying our sin. Thank God that Isaac was obedient. Thank God that Jesus Christ was obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Isaac had to leave his home. You think about this. Isaac was loved by his mother. Boy, he was petted by his mother. He had it made back in his tents, and he's going to have to travel three days. He's going to have to go to a barren, remote desolate landscape and there be offered. Boy, that's pretty tough. Let me tell you about the Lord Jesus Christ. He was in heaven. He had a throne. He had angels to minister about him. There was no pain. There was no suffering. There was no sorrow in heaven. And he laid it all down and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That's what's been done for us. The faith of Abraham, I see it here. The Bible says when he says this, God will provide. And here's where I want to preach and we'll be done. God will provide himself a lamb. God 
will provide. Let me tell you something. Please listen to your preacher. If God requires it, he will provide it. If God brings you to it, he'll bring you through it. If he wants it done, he will equip you to do it. All we got to do, we don't have to do the training. We don't have to do the testing. We don't have to do nothing but make ourselves available. Here am I. That's all Abraham did. Abraham, here am I. Isaiah, here I am. Samuel, speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. (laughs) Jesus Christ. I need a sacrifice. I need somebody to go to earth and be spit on and and, and fulfill the law and be crucified and scolded and scoffed and die a brutal death on this lonely, desolate hill. And Jesus says, I'll go. It gets down where I live. God will provide it. Abraham had faith to look forward and say, I and the lad, we're going to come back. (laughs) We're, We're coming back. Let me tell you something about faith. If your faith doesn't look forward, there's something wrong with it. I'm not talking about forward, looking forward to the sweet by and by. I'm talking about looking forward. Hey, our faith needs to say this church can, be, can have 500 people in it. Our faith needs to say this church can be just as big as we want to be. This church can have just the budget that we want to have. Listen, God could touch the heart of one individual in here, one, and they'd pay for that whole fellowship hall. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. You say, preacher, well, that's an undertaking. Well, we'll see how you voted in just a minute. But here's the truth. Don't limit God. The Bible says he can provide, and he will provide. Yes, sir. He will provide. That's what Abraham said. He'll provide himself a lamb. (laughs) Then he comes to this place, this place that Solomon, this place called Moriah, verse number nine. He comes to the Moriah, the place that Solomon would build the temple where Jesus Christ would be crucified. There he builds an altar. We all need altars in our life, altars of prayer, altars of praise, altars of worship. He laid the wood in order. You know what that means? Abraham wasn't even haphazard as he laid the wood out. He laid it in order. I believe he laid the wood out in order of the shape of a cross. And when God looked down on that scene, he saw Abraham offering his only son on a cross, basically shaped. And God looked forward to a time when he would shape a cross, one vertical piece of wood, one horizontal piece of wood, and God would put his only son on that. You know what he was, he was teaching Abraham sacrifice. He was teaching Abraham obedience. He was testing what was in his heart. He was allowing Abraham to get a taste of what was in God's own heart. So then Abraham lays the wood in order perfectly. He didn't just throw it out. The Bible says he laid it in order. Then he binds Isaac. And then he takes Isaac and he lays him on an altar He's about to light it up. He reaches to grab the knife. (laughs) And then the voice comes again. The first time the voice spoke in the first part of the chapter, it just said, Abraham. And he said, here am I. The second time the voice comes, when he has a knife raised about to plunge it into the heart of his son, the voice comes and says, Abraham, Abraham. You know what he says? I bet he's glad to hear that. Here am I. (laughs) 
Let me tell you something. If you'll listen to the voice once, you'll hear it twice better the next time. If you'll listen to the voice of God once, you'll hear it twice better the next time. You refuse the voice of God, and it may go silent for a period. If you refuse light, God is not under any responsibility to offer you any more light. If you're lost and the Holy Spirit knocks on your heart and offers you the light of the gospel and says you need to be saved and you say, don't want it, I know it's right, I know it's true, I don't want it, God has no more responsibility to offer you any more light. Scary. The days of day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. So then Abraham does this and he moves on by faith. He trusts God. He's about to do the unthinkable And you know what? God stops him. And the Lord says in verse 12, Now I know what is in your heart. You know something? God wants to know what's in our heart. Isaac, then God says here at the last minute, at the last minute, when it looked like the unthinkable was going to happen, the knife was going to be plunged, God says, Abraham, look over yonder. There's a ram caught in a thicket. I want you to take that ram and substitute that for Isaac. Oh, what a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who, who this ram was caught in a thicket of thorns around his head. <laughs> you say, what's, the, what's so miraculous about that? Well, it really wasn't very miraculous. Must be time for me to quit. <laughs> really wasn't very miraculous. I, I raise goats, and I'm going to tell you something. Every time I turn around, their horns is stuck in something. The fence, a brush, a rose bush. I mean, it happens. I mean, I had to put sticks on her head to keep from getting hung. Let me tell you something, though. This was miraculous because God put a substitute right there at just the right time. And it may be a time in your life when you think all is lost, when you think the knife is about to come down, when you think judgment's about to happen, when you think it's all just about to fall apart and God's going to say, hey, wait a minute. Look at that ram over there. Last minute. Here it is. Your sacrifice. Boy, I can't help but show you Christ there. You've already seen it. Jesus Christ was crowned with thorns for me and you. God provided a sacrifice for us. It should have been me on the cross. I should have died for my sin. George is mean as hell, mean as hell. Amen, preacher. George was the meanest little old rascal you've ever seen. If you knew me as a kid, you wouldn't even like me. If I came to your house, I'd take your house apart. I'd know what was in all your drawers and cabinets. I'd go outside and dunk your cat in water. I'd kick your dog. I mean, I was mean. But Jesus died for me. Jesus took my place. Jesus wore a crown of thorns for me. Praise God. There was a ram caught for me. Let me tell you something. Then the last verse that I'm through preaching, Abraham said, oh, praise God. I'm going to call the name of this place Jehovah Jireh. You know what that means? Jehovah Jireh. Don't mean Jehovah Jireh. I think we've interpreted that wrong. Jehovah Jireh means God will provide. 
The Lord will provide. Let me tell you something. The Lord will provide. Philippians 4.19 is still in the Bible, but my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. That's still in the Bible, praise God. Get you a King James Bible, put you a highlighter on that verse, and when you start getting the mully grubs, get in there and say, God can supply everything. My God shall supply. <laughs> Do you believe as much as Abraham? Do you need finances? Let me tell you something. You need finances? God can supply your finances. Amen. Won't you give him his 10% and watch him let it grow? Amen, preacher. Not just tithes, but offerings. Give him a little above and watch him push it, push it. I mean, he'll shake your basket and put more in it. Amen, preacher. You need finances. You need health. God will supply you, supply you with health. If he doesn't supply you with health, he'll supply you with grace to handle it. And sometimes that supply of grace means a lot more than a supply of health. Oh, he really does. That's a whole other message. Does God, if you're lonely, God can supply you with comfort. Pick up your lip, praise God. The Holy Ghost will give you some joy. If you need some consolation, if you're brokenhearted, if you need strength, if you need wisdom, if you need support, my God shall supply all of your need. He wasn't talking about money and homes and cars and insurance and 401ks. He was talking about your need. What is your need? Whatever it is, he can supply it. <laughs> now let me say this. I'll close. The testing gets rid of the doubting. The reason that I could stand 200 feet off of the ground on my own weld is because I had been tested and evaluated and I had confidence. And once I weld, don't, don't miss this, this is a good point. Once I welded that scaffold in place, that scaffold was there so I could have confidence in my work, and then I had a job to do. That's when I would cut the boiler open and weld inside the boiler. You see, what I'm saying is I had to have skilled in my labor to do more skilled labor. And that's exactly what, that's where God wants you. He wants you confident in your Christian life. He wants you confident in your life. He wants you confident in your, in your family. He wants you confident in his word. If you have no confidence in the word, you have no confidence in the Lord, if you have no confidence in yourself, you'll never do anything for Jesus Christ. But if he can train you, equip you, evaluate you, test you, then he can use you for his glory. Amen. But the, here's the key. He will provide. Are you going to believe it or not?